Well, welcome everyone to episode 528 of Aussie Tech Heads. Yes, it's another week and uh, we, we weren't here last week for a very good reason, I'll tell you soon. Uh, but we are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au for all your web hosting needs. If you're after a blog or a, or a uh, whatever, e-commerce or whatever, you can install the WordPress, install your e-commerce, be up and running in under an hour. It's great. Uh, reasonable, reasonable priced plans, working on the uh, cPanel backend and SSD drive. So athwebhosting.com.au and also don't forget the aussietechradio.com 24-7 back-to-back tech podcast from Australia and New Zealand and they just go round and round and round and round and uh, they uh, renew every Friday so look out uh, for the new episodes and you can find us on youtube.com forward slash aussietechheads and Facebook.com. I did. So you would have thought that was a pause then. Facebook.com forward slash Aussie Techheads. And get us at Glenn Goodman on the Twitter, at Aussie Techheads, at Warlock on the Twitter. Hashtag Oz Techheads, AUS Techheads. All right. Let's welcome Jace. How you doing, Jace? Well, after the bloody shambles of technology <laughs> issues we've been having tonight, I'm doing all right. Yes, I think uh, tech, the ish, technology issues come in pairs, and so when Jace had issues, they flowed onto me. Yes, and we both had hardware issues, but we, we hopefully, if you're hearing us now, we have beat it, and we're we're here. So welcome. Uh, what have you been up to, Jace? Anything exciting? Since we last spoke? Uh, nothing much exciting. We had a um, guy here to get a quote for solar panels on the roof today, so that's going to be pretty cool once we get that sorted out. Nice, yes. And uh, any discount for winter, do you reckon? No? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. All right. Well, look, since I last spoke to you, and the reason why we weren't on last week was I was in Sydney for the uh, Castaway Tech Podcast Australia Awards, and uh, so that's where the there was a there was judge judge category so every uh, pretty much the itunes categories uh the judges sat down and uh, reviewed the australian tech or australian podcast in each category came up with some winners now uh the judge categories well we didn't go any good in the judge categories but uh happy to say that we did win wait for it yay the popular uh tech category so yeah thank you to everyone who voted for us and uh, listened to the show we actually what the popular vote in the tech category went to us aussie tech Ed. so well done to you guys and thanks for everyone that voted so we're pretty proud of that and uh yeah it's great it's good to get some recognition like that and thanks to all the people on the facebook that have written in with the, with your congratulations and all that sort of stuff it really means a lot and it gives you that little little bit of a bump you know through the week to to, to knuckle back down and do another podcast so thank you very much and also, uh, I must also not just uh, thank uh, the the listeners and uh, and whatever, but I also must thank Jace and all the other hosts that appear on the on the show from time to time because it wouldn't be a show without you guys either. So congratulations, Jace! You're you're part of the uh, congratulatorious listeners. Great for me. <laughs> yes, good stuff. Yeah, the whole the whole show is carried by me. Mm. Uh, you know, out of <laughs> And I was just thinking to myself after that made-up word, uh, I wonder if that's why we got the popular vote. They might like the uh, made-up words, <laughs> the congratulations-toriness-ness-ness-ness. Yeah. I think there's been a few over the years, hasn't there? <laughs> so yeah, good. perfectly promulent words that embiggen all of us. Yeah, that's right. So, look... Um, yeah, look, the Castaway Awards, just let me indulge here for a minute, was uh, attended by over 200 guests uh, from the, the Australian podcast industry, and it... Uh, was yeah, it was across eleven different categories. Uh, the Castaway Award. Let me see if I can get this up on the screen for those watching on the video, and uh, I can I can read you uh, some of the people that won because you know they they uh, also deserve some 
recognition uh, because let well, here we go. Now, look, I can run through these relatively quickly if you like. I'll put these up on screen for those on the thing. Uh, look, there's a little picture of some of the winners. That was only Which the, one's you? No, nah, that was just the judge category, the popular vote. <laughs> we we didn't count. <laughs> It was just the judge. Yeah. Was just the judges and their categories. You should say I'm, I'm that hand in the back left corner. You just can't see me behind that guy. That's right. Yeah, right up the back. Now the category comedy entertainment went to the Planet Maynard show, uh, and then the finalists were We Fact Up, the Guinea Show, and the Stupidly Small Podcast was the popular vote. Now I will run through a few of these. Look, you can go to castawayawards.com.au forward slash winners. Uh, look, if you're looking for a podcast to listen to and you want to think, okay, well, what's the good ones here that we can have a listen to. So, uh, look, seeing that we went into the popular vote, I might just go through the categories in the popular vote, eh? Because that's what really counts, yep. let's face it. So, yep. the um, the comedy, the stupidly small podcast, the business marketing and entrepreneurship was future corporate innovation and entrepreneurship. Jeez, fancy typing that into the search. Wow. Uh, the lifestyle, health and wellness, the Eat Magazine podcast, E-A-T-T, literature, arts and music, the Peach and Black podcast. The political, social, and current affairs category. The fighting for fair. The tech. Oh, that's us. Aussie tech is woo. The sport was ladies who league. Uh, the TV, film, and pop culture. The countdown movie and TV reviews. The industry focus. Silicon Beach Radio. The documentary and storytelling was. There was no popular vote, was there? Oh yes, the case file, true crime podcast. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, look, if you're looking for a podcast, try a couple of those. Uh, there's more of the finalists and the actually judged podcasts up there on the site as well if you want to have a look at those to, uh, yeah, indulge your listening ears. Uh, so, yeah, the night was pretty good. It was at the Red well, – not the Red Dwarf, was it? It was at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> it was on April Fool's Day of all days. And, uh, yeah, it, it was quite good. Yeah, it was uh, – Few drinks, few nibblies, and uh, the awards. The the guys got the uh, people who won the judge category uh, got a nice little trophy, and uh, and I think I got a two for one ticket deal to uh, Pod something or other in Anaheim about two weeks before I'm there. Don't. <laughs> so that's life. That's uh, life. But uh, yeah, so good good on everyone, and it was a it was a great night. And once again, thanks to everyone that voted. Now. Uh, what have we got this week on the show? Oh, look, don't forget the Aussie Max Zone, of course. I was down there with Michael, so uh, yeah, tune in to Aussie Max Zone. The Obsidian Loft, Old Fart Geeks and Aussie Tech Security. Uh, they're all uh, on our iTunes network somewhere. Now, uh, look, let's kick off with a story, eh? Let's kick off with a... Why not? Yeah, why not? Let's kick off with an Apple story. Why not? ACCC takes Apple to court over alleged misleading consumer guarantee representations. Now, the ACCC has initiated proceedings in the Federal Court against Apple uh, because, uh, remember the I, the error that comes up uh, after an update, a software update, people on their iOS devices were getting an error 53. Now, this error was coming up mainly because they had a third-party repair done. Uh, most routinely, the screen, if they had a cracked screen, uh, they'd take it to a third-party repair and he'd repair it. Now, when the software updated, the uh, the software would know would, would recognise that the screen was uh, not original or had been replaced by unauthorised persons, and so the ID this error came up. 
and you couldn't do nothing about it. It was essentially a brick, bricked your device. And Apple, once you had that error, you took it to Apple, they didn't want to know about it. If it was a, a third party had intruded onto your device, they said, no, too bad, too sad, we don't want to know about it. But the ACCC's had other ideas about all this. So what they've said is, oh, let me get to a bit of a quote here. Uh, on the Apple, first of all, on the Apple Repair Support page, it said if you see an error 53, you can't update or restore your iPhone or iPad. Uh, if your screen or iPhone or iPad was replaced at an Apple Service Center, Apple Store authorized service provider, contact Apple Support. If the screen or any part of your iPhone was replaced somewhere else, contact Apple Support about pricing information for out of warranty repairs. Now, the uh, C. Uh, said in a statement denying a consumer their consumer guarantee rights simply because they had chosen a third-party repairer not only impacts those consumers but can dissuade other customers from making informed choices about their repair options, including where they may be offered at a lower than cost than the manufacturer. So pretty much... Uh, as a bit of a summary of all that. Yeah, so your screen broke, you took it to a third party, repaired it, and then uh, error came, couldn't do nothing about it, Apple didn't want to know you. So look, I don't know, Look, I guess I can understand, I think we did uh, cross this when we when this started first happening a few months ago. But it, yeah, I think Apple came out and they, they said to the tune that things like, uh, well, you know, look, it, there's a security issue. Uh, if the, you know, the button, the, the fingertip or the fingerprint sensor button has been tampered with or, or you know, the phone's open, so therefore it's not a secure device. And, you know, we got people's credit cards and banking information, all this. So that's why they've said they don't want to repair it or they don't want to do nothing about it. But yep. I think there's other uh, other uh, noses in the trough here. The ACCC says, uh, yeah, we you got to do something about it. So that's pretty much how it works. Is that right, Jase, how you understand it? Yeah, that's how I understand it. They think that you could replace it with some other equipment that's going to mimic a fingerprint reader and uh, give false information so that you can get into someone's phone. But I think the chances of that happening are quite low and it seems to be more of a chance that um, Apple just wants you to get all your stuff repaired at Apple places, which is a shame because there's a lot of third-party companies that do end up going out of business, particularly if Apple moves into that area with an Apple shop mm. and um, everyone gets free repairs done there so they don't go to the third-party ones. But there are people, I've, I've been listening to other podcasts, there are people who are like five to... 20 hours away from any Apple store and sending your phone away for a couple of weeks in the mail and hope it gets there successfully and gets back and is repaired. And in the meantime, you've got nothing mm. isn't an option for a lot of people. Um, this even this even happens in America where people are just too far away from the nearest Apple shop. In fact, some of them have to fly to get to oh, Apple shop. So yeah. they, they're going to have to make some sort of concession and, um, you know, let people take the risk. Mm. I suppose, like, uh, yeah, you know, we're, I suppose, or me and, and you in the capital cities or, and close to, we're all pretty... Uh, well, I'm not in the capital city. Oh, no, that's right. You're not anymore, are you? No. So where's yeah. your nearest Apple store then? That'd be a little way uh, I away. Think there's one in Newcastle. It's about an hour and a half drive away, maybe a bit mm. more. So, like, the chances are you get down there and they say, oh, no, look, your iPhone's too old. You might have a five. They say, we don't do fives anymore, so you buy a new one. But, you know, and you know damn well that you could take it to an authorised repair and get it repaired. So, um, well, there must be some well, sort the of... the same sort of thing that I happened with, had happened with my um, Honda car with the um, key remote. 
and that they told me that I need to pay $110 to get a new key and mm. I just took it to a Mr. Minute type place in the shopping centre and they replaced it for 30 bucks. Yeah. Just the battery, they took the battery out, put another one in and it's fine. But mm. I was told, no, no, you have to do it our way and pay $110. And I don't yeah. need to, no. No, no, that's right. So, look, I don't know what the answer is here. Uh, look, I think you should be able to get your screen replaced. You should be able to get buttons replaced. Uh, maybe if it's a security issue with the touch ID sensor, then maybe they've just got to secure that little part a bit more or something, you know, make it um, so the, the part... Well, obviously must plug in onto, say, like a, a jumper switch or something, like a jumper, and therefore, like, the switch, the actual switch hasn't been uh, tampered with. So, you know, they must be able to do something that will well, make... here's a thought. All of all of the phones, regardless of whether you use your fingerprint to unlock it, have also got a backup security code of six digits, right? Mm. So, at the very least, Apple could just say, uh, pop up a message and say, when you boot up this we've detected that this device has got a third-party fingerprint sensor and is therefore no longer secure. From now on, please only log in with your six-digit mm. code. Problem solved, people can still use their phone. It might be a little bit inconvenient, but at least it's not bricking the whole thing and then forcing you to have to try and find a way of getting your phone to Apple and mm. getting it replaced or something like that. It's yeah. ridiculous to just say, oh, something was changed screw you but yeah like i could probably even i could probably accept that yeah third party sensor maybe could be a bit of a bridge too far like for security reasons but yeah if the sensor what why why won't apple make these sensors readily available as a as a as a spare part or something like that uh from what i found out recently like they're, they're really tight in the way they even do repairs for their macs and everything they they trace their the spare parts they send out to people and like to the authorised repairers, they they trace yep. the part, they get the old part back. Uh, you know, you've got to update the serial number of the part inside the Max um, OS or whatever, just so it knows that. Yeah, it's really, really, it's really, really um, thorough, but maybe a bit too much. But yeah, the A Triple C is not not. Uh, you know, taking them lightly, their their watchdog is seeking pecuniary penalties, injunctions, declarations, compliance program orders, corrective notices, and costs. They're going for the royal flush. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, crazy. So, uh, look, don't break your screen on the iPhone and you won't need to get it repaired. All Until right. Until ACCC does something about it. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, all right, well, that's uh, that one. What uh, what have you got, Jace? Anything exciting? Well, we can keep on Apple since we were already on the subject. So a lovely segue into Apple iOS 11 will make 200,000 apps totally obsolete, experts claim. Oh, nice. The release of the next operating system for iPhone and iPad will render up to 200,000 older apps totally obsolete. Tech experts fear iOS 11 will hobble apps which work perfectly with old-school phones. Experts from the tech firm Sensor Tower said this would mean that approximately 187,000, or about 8% of the roughly 2.4 million apps in the App Store worldwide, will stop working with the latest iPhones. The latest Apple rumors come after it was claimed that the iPhone 5 was about to be consigned to the scrap heap of history. The problem lies in the difference between the 32-bit and 64-bit smartphone architecture. Older phones used a 32-bit processor, which meant the software had to be written in 32 bits to work properly. New smartphones feature 64-bit processors and software. Modern phones often slow down when running 32-bit apps, but could soon stop working with them altogether. Mm. It's likely that Apple is aiming to reduce the bloat and increase the performance of future iOS versions on new 64-bit devices with this potential move. 
Apple first began stoking the app bonfire in February 2015 when it told developers that all new apps had to be written in 64-bit. It then said that all app updates must be written the same way. This means any app that's still written using the older protocol has not been updated in more than two years, suggesting the apps due to be given the boot are no longer being supported anyway. You probably already noticed if you use certain apps on your iPad or iPhone, uh, when you start it up, it pops up a message, a little notification window from Apple that says this application may cause your device to run slowly. I have, have you seen I, that. Yes, I have seen that. I, I, I have. I wondered why that kept coming up. Uh, so, what do you reckon? That's uh, that's one of the apps that's flagged as potentially not going to work after the update. There's possibly an app that hasn't been updated in a while, so it could be that Apple is emulating a way to make it still display on your device. Mm. I mean, I had a, a very old game that I wrote four or five years ago or something, and uh, I put that onto my iPad not long ago in the last couple of months, and as soon as I started it up, it said, this may run slowly because it hasn't been updated or rebuilt with the latest X code or anything like that, and then mm. it, it refused to display properly because it didn't even know about the new um, X code in the iOS, so uh, I deleted it. But mm. um, that's one of the problems is if the apps are not continually being updated every time a new X code and iOS has been released, you need to re-release your app as an update just to make sure that it's compliant with everything and there's been new screen sizes, new um, new APIs and things like this to make it run better on the new devices yeah. and also provide some backwards compatibility. But if it hasn't been updated, then it could cause problems. And so Apple is sort of saying, well, it's, it's not guaranteed it's going to slow things down, but it could if it's trying to make this old app work properly on the newer device. Yeah, I, I suppose like that. They're sort of renowned for sort of taking these plunges, aren't they? Uh, you know, when they went from the the power PCs to the Intel PC or Intel computers, uh, everything previous just didn't work. You know, on the Intel machines, and and I suppose, but yeah, I think you've got to do that. And maybe, look, maybe even that could be one of the failings of like Windows that they haven't say drawn a line in the sand as hard as it is. Draw your line in the sand and say, okay, we're going to revolutionise or redo the entire OS because we know, it, you know, twenty years on, we can make this bigger, better, faster. We can rebuild it. Yeah. So. <laughs> problem is there's too many big businesses that are still running old versions of things and they're not going to change because, one, they don't want somebody to rewrite it. They don't want to have to pay for somebody to come in and rewrite it to work mm. on the new thing, which is why IE6 didn't die a fiery death for way <laughs> too many years because yeah. everyone had programmed all their stuff to only work with IE6. IE7 came out and they're just like, well, that doesn't work. We'll just stay with IE6. So it wasn't until Microsoft had to eventually say, look, we, we just can't keep supporting this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so people had to rewrite some stuff. So eventually it's going to happen. It's going to be a lot of hurt. Mm. But um, if you've got big business standing there going, no, 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 we're going yeah. to stay on the old one and you're going to keep doing that, which is why you get things like Windows 7, that's it, no more updates. Um, we'll just, well... Technically, it's end of life, but we'll keep doing updates till like 2020. Or but wasn't it like with XP, uh, even like, you know, XP, where it was, oh, 
we're going to stop supporting it this date. Then, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll push it out to this date. Then we'll push it out to this date. And then in the end, they said, look, this is actually final. This is the final date. But look, if you want to pay us two grand a week or something, uh, you can get do it. <laughs> yeah. And like that two grand didn't, didn't um, you know, do every business or every person. It was just your business. Yeah, just so they're probably yeah. just getting two grand off everyone. Same updates pushing out to everyone. But look, it's just got to happen. You know, you, you can't just run the old same. Who would, why would you think you could run XP in your in your conglomerate, you know, as of 2017? So you you got to have an IT budget. You got to you got to move with the times. You can't spend the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look, well, while we're sitting here talking about uh, different things like uh, apples and Windows, Android over now. How's this for a, a headline? Android overtakes Windows in OS market share for the first time. Now, that's a, a massive, massive headline, but uh, I think we've got to remember that Android is on a mobile phone and Windows is on a, uh, is more of a desktop or laptop. So, But anyway, as, as we go along, Android has topped the Windows in terms of total internet usage across desktop, laptop, tablet and mobiles combined. Now, a place called StatCounter found in March that Android hit 37.93% market share, which put it 0.02% ahead of Windows. <laughs> oh, wow, 0.02%. I mean, Go, yeah. Android. That's yeah. wiping them off the planet. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> now, uh, the, the company said it was a milestone in technology history and the end of an era. Well, I don't know if I'd be crowing that much. Like, we're talking mobile phones and not, not doing apples with apples. Pardon the pun. It marks the end of Microsoft's leadership worldwide of the OS market, which is held since the 1980s. It also represents a major breakthrough for Android, which held just 2.4% of global internet usage only five years ago. So that's right. I don't think Microsoft is shaking in its boots at all. No, not not at this stage. I hear that they might be bringing out a uh, a uh, window, another Windows phone or something, a Surface phone or something like that. But uh, but anyway, as far as this story goes, we we the, you know I think I think you can see that mobiles are different to desktops. You know, you, you don't sit on your mobile and and do pivot tables and your spreadsheet you know stuff do you like you just don't uh now in australia windows remains the leading os overall though it's lost its slice of the market share slipping to 37.9 percent in march so that's come down a bit from uh same time last year at 43.9 so that's what's that that's six say six percent it's fell in a year so but that's just just more mobiles coming online i suppose yeah, now, a, lot, a lot of the reason behind the mobile OS is overtaking the desktop is if you've got three kids, are you going to buy them three desktop computers, three laptops, or three iPads or mm. iPods? Yeah, exactly. That's or right. three Android tablets, something like that. You know, you, they, everyone's going to have one, even down to the young kids, whereas, you know, desktops and laptops are still going to be more for anyone in their teens or not. Yeah, and you've got Androids. Yeah, you got all these little internet devices, you know, you've you've got the, the these Kodi boxes run on Android, you've got well, because Android's free, it's getting slapped onto everything. It's on TVs, you know, it, yep. it's just everywhere. So of course you refrigerators. Yeah, everything. So of course you think, well, okay, when we're not sort of talking about the same sort of thing when we can start comparing. But let's have a look at uh, the iOS. So mobile operating systems, iOS, this, this is in Australia, iOS and Android have risen, iOS reaching 31.4% uh, 
Now, that's up, uh, what's that, about 5%. So that's up 5% since last year. Android is sitting in third place with 15.3%. That's uh, up from 128 OS X was 13.54%. Uh, yeah, so the, the Apple the Apple market share is a bit lower than than the others, but uh, yeah. Anyway, there's more like if you're really into stats and you can't really follow it on the podcast, just go to the show notes at uh, AussieTechHeads.com.au forward slash podcast. Navigate round to your show notes, and there'll be links to all the stories that if you want to follow them up more more thoroughly. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, Jace. Well, this one's a bit of a weird one. It's Verizon's new name for its AOL Yahoo combination. Now, we know that Verizon offered to buy uh, parts of Yahoo, not all of it, because some of it went with joining with Alibaba and had another weird name. But this one says, once the Yahoo deal closes, AOL and Yahoo will be known as Oath. As who? Or formally, Oath, a Verizon company. Yep, O-A-T-H. As a tweet on Monday from AOL, Chief Executive Tim Armstrong attests, the new name, which was first reported by Business Insider, promptly received some ribbing on social media. Yes. And he greeted the announcement with bewilderment, with some suggesting that Oath sounded like the name of a heavy metal band. Others compared it to Tronk, last year's largely panned rebrand of Tribune Publishing, the company behind the Chicago Tribune, the Los Angeles Times, and several other major daily newspapers. TechCrunch, the Silicon News Silicon Valley news site summed up the general confusion in the headline of post about the announcement. Yahoo plus AOL equals Oath for some reason, it read. <laughs> Verizon bought AOL in 2015 for $4.4 billion and announced it would pay $4.8 billion for Yahoo a year later. But before long, revelations about multiple historic data breaches at Yahoo called the fate of the deal into question and Verizon ultimately settled on a new agreement in February to buy Yahoo for $4.45 billion US. Wow. Now, if it was in Australia, it would probably be called Bloody Oath. Oh, yes, I was I was probably thinking of something a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more rich. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, an oath, you know. <laughs> That's what <laughs> It's a, a bizarre name. It is. It's very bizarre. But uh, I suppose, how do they come up with these things, you know? But um, Oath. What's your favourite website? Oath. Oath. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, really. Yeah, Acton Oath. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bloody Oath. <laughs> <laughs> and Oath with two with a with a semicolon with a colon. Yeah, but oh wow, that is that is wild. But uh, oh well, good on them. Uh, I suppose Verizon rebranding Yahoo. So what are they saying? Are they saying that Yahoo is will no longer be known as Yahoo? Is no, that what, all gone? Yeah, I wonder if that's because of all the uh, security issues they've had recently. Just need to get rid of it. Yeah, well, totally a, give it a different name. The security problems will still exist, but hopefully people will forget it's got a different name. Are my are my uh, emails and names and addresses still safe with you guys? Bloody oath! <laughs> <laughs> Bloody oath! <laughs> Now, uh, Microsoft uh, reveals price and release for the Surface Studio. Now, you might have remembered us talking about this a while back, because I do. Now, the Microsoft the Studio is a computer that's been brought out, or is being brought out by Microsoft. And I'll show you a picture of those on the video. That's the one Leo's got. Oh, did he get one, did he? Nice. Yeah, did... Leo got one months ago. Did you touch it when he, you were over he there? He put in, like, first order. No, but I watched him play Minecraft on it. Oh, right. And he look got me to sit with him while he downloaded Minecraft. He's like, check this out. This is my server. And showed me all around on his 
Oh, studio. yeah. Yeah, nice. So, uh, so Microsoft has opened up for pre-orders for the studio. Now, for that, let me let me try and describe this for you guys uh, on the audio. It's uh, how would you you would describe it as Mac-like. Uh, so you got the screen which is attached to a small flat uh, enclosure that houses. I don't know the computer. Is it? I've got a split version. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a small laptop inside. Yeah, so there's all mo- mobile graphics chipset and mobile everything. Yeah, in the base, like those. What were those old? The older Macs that had the bit of a dome at the bottom, didn't they? And that was where the most of the guts of the computer was. But anyway, yeah. the yeah, you got your screen. It's very very Mac like, but it does look a bit more sleeker, and that the screen can shift up and down like a or swing up and down like a bit of a seesaw. But anyway, go and have a look at one to get a, the best idea. Well, go and look on YouTube. You'll, you'll see something. But anyway, pre-orders for the Surface Studio uh, are now with Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi. So they're the first guys outside of the Microsoft store uh, to to offer them. We'll About st- four grand or something? Yeah, I'll have a list. Oh, I'll get to that in a second. You wait till you <laughs> wait till you see how much these little babies are. So we'll start shipping on April twenty seven, and it's also available, as I said, from the the Microsoft Store. Uh, revealed in Microsoft revealed last October that uh, a desktop PC aimed at creatives that can fold down into a canvas. That's probably the uh, description I was looking for. Folds down into a canvas, so I suppose you can you know walk around, bump it in the trees while you're drawing a picture. Uh, the screen size is up at 28 inches. That's uh, enclosed in an aluminium enclosure pack. I'll show you that picture again. Or in America, aluminium. Uh, yes, aluminium. It can be used with a stylus and Microsoft's new Surface Dial. Uh, yep, YouTube that. We've, we've covered that a couple of months ago. A programmable dial that interacts with applications. Surface Studio starts. Here we go. Surface Studio starts at 4000 $599 with a one terabyte hard drive, an i5 processor, eight gig of RAM, two gig GPU. Now, if you want to bump that up to an i7, you can pay an extra thousand at 5,499 for one terabyte core i7 processor, 16 gig of RAM, two gig GPU. But that's not the most expensive, the most expensive model coming in. With a two terabyte storage i7 processor, 32 gig of RAM, four gig of GPU, you know, not something that's too outlandish or outrageous for a normal desktop machine. But this is going to set you back six thousand four hundred and ninety nine dollars. Pocket change, crazy, yeah. yeah. And if you go to the um, Twit website, you can watch a video with um, Father Robert Bal- Robert Balliser. He did a video on uh, pulling that apart and putting in flash hard drive storage, which sped it up crazy, crazy fast just by changing it to flash instead of SSD. Well, you think for six and a half thousand, why wouldn't it be flash? But uh, you know, like serious, yeah, (laughs) nope. Because there's a lot of people who've been saying to Microsoft, "I would just buy the screen and plug any computer into it." I'd buy, you know, fastest computer I could, i7 with all the RAMs and all the stuff in there. Yeah. And then just plug it into the monitor and they're like, no, no, that's not what we want people to do. But um, in interviews, they're like, we've heard so many people have said that, but we're not doing it. <laughs> but I suppose like... like... It's a brilliant screen. I love it. You can tilt it down. It's got touch screen stuff. Mm. You can, it's got a pencil that 
clips on the side and you can draw things on the screen when you're explaining things to people and all this sort of stuff and the dial switches around they've had usb dials in the past but this one you put it on the screen and the screen detects that the dial is sitting on there and when you rotate things around you can have icons around the side of the dial that light up and it can select things like brush sizes or colors things like that which is really great for artists yeah, it's obviously, well, it's called a creative device, isn't it? But uh, yeah, six and a half grand. But yeah, like I went over to another site uh, thinking, okay, let's have a look and see what sort of gear is inside this thing. Now, I went over to the iFixit who did pull it apart. Uh, and they've got the machine is full of soldered down parts with a custom motherboard. So this will give you an idea for six and a half grand if you want to upgrade it at any time. Now, it's not a regular ATX PC. Uh, it's, Microsoft has not designed it to be an end-user serviceable. So there you go. Accordingly, the processor, the GPU, and the RAM, they're all soldered down. And if you buy the same if you buy the system with its base of 8 gig of RAM, well, then that's for the rest of its life, it's 8 gig of RAM. It uh, has a hybrid storage combining an SSD with a larger spinning disk. So rather than using an integrated hybrid drive, these are discrete components and both are standard connectors. So, yeah, it's uh, disappointingly the SSD is only SATA uh, rather than the faster NVMe, and the spinning disk is only SATA 2 rather than SATA 3. So, I don't know, why would they not, you know, surely, why would they not put the fastest things in it that they could find? Are they just after. Well, they, they discussed this on the podcast as well. The thing was originally started designing it about five years ago so right. once they got it past the initial prototype ideas um even three or four years ago they had to go with whatever was affordable at mm. that stage and that's how it was designed if they you know did the surface studio uh two something like that brought it out now they could put in faster components with um, better design and things like that but as it was this they started working on it um, so long ago that it, they, that was the technology they designed it with mm. back then and technology leaps fast and prices come does. down so fast that they can't completely redesign everything just to make it work with the latest technology at the price point that they'd already decided on. So what's the show that you were watching was with uh, the Twitch show? with Is that that know-how with Father Robert? Yes. Yeah, right. So that was a recent show that you looked at? Uh few months ago okay so it'd be probably pretty easy to find if you look after it just have a look at go to twit tv just do a search or something it's probably even on youtube if it hasn't had a takedown notice <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so um yeah this, look it's a looks like look it's a beautiful machine if i had six and a half grand to spare yes i would i would grab one it is a very it looks very very nice but uh and leo kept saying why has apple not done something like this this is apple was the creative device mm. everyone did all of their desktop publishing as soon as the apples came out and they were ahead of the game then and even now they've fallen behind but there's all these rumors at the moment that they're going to bring out a new apple uh pro computer that you're going mac pro that you're going to be able to upgrade the cpu and graphics card finally that mm. people have been waiting because they haven't had any updates in the last four or five years since they brought out that cylinder garbage bin one yeah and um everyone's a lot of people had to give up and just go and buy PCs because you could get faster 
faster computer parts the price you wanted and there's absolutely no way of upgrading the old Mac Pro to anything decent. So mm. they said, yeah, we, we promise we're going to you know, have an upgradable one come out soon, but it, it may be too late for a lot of people who just gone and switched over to PC because it takes a long time and a lot of money to switch everybody over to a new operating system, Mm. new applications and things, and then say, okay, well, you can come back now. We're actually going to help you, and they're going to be like, why? (laughs) I'll just stay where I am. Thanks. I paid all the new licenses for new copies of the software and the operating system and new monitors and everything. We're not going to go back again. The the worst thing about this new uh, Surface Studio was, you know, you got this beautiful looking machine, and one day it just comes out with a big red ransomware sticker. <laughs> because you know, like you would think it it looks so nice, it would be you would hardly ever think it would be immune to viruses, but uh, alas, probably not. Uh, okay, uh, did you have anything else, Jace? Uh, yeah, the NBN is going to double broadband speeds for regional Australia. Yay. Australians living off the beaten track are getting broadband speed, speeds to rival the cities with 100 megabits per second fixed wireless NBN services scheduled to launch across the country early next year. Demonstrated in the Victorian regional city of Ballarat this week, the service operate offers 100 megabits per second download speeds and 40 meg upload speeds. Nice. Speed boost coming thanks to new carrier aggregation technology, which bonds multiple channels to create a single high-speed connection. The new speed tier will be available in fixed wireless NBN areas across the country, as it does not require network upgrade or changes to the fixed wireless towers. The improved speeds won't extend the range of fixed wireless, which remains limited to within 14 kilometres of a tower. To take advantage of the new 100 meg plans, existing fixed wireless customers will need to upgrade their on-premises wireless network terminal device. The new 100 meg capable wireless NTDs developed by Ericsson, Netcom and Qualcomm will eventually become standard issue for all new fixed wireless installations, although there's potential for further speed boost down the track. Yeah, so this is uh, good news for everyone out in the in the bush. But you know, uh, if you can't get an, you can't get fast enough. That's what I say. So uh, why not just go for it? But yeah, so I think I looked at the after reading that story, as I do every time, uh, read an internet story. I go to the nbn.com.au. <laughs> Punch my address in, <laughs> <laughs> and I've, every time I, I register, I go. It says you want to register for updates, and every time I register, they might, I'm going to get like a thousand emails when it comes to my street. But however, today I registered, and it goes, "You've already registered." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, good, you, you've got me number finally. then. It's, yeah, finally, you've you've um, you've recognised that I've registered. So good on you. You're not, you're not in on the list, but thank you for registering. Yeah, yeah, we we just send this email out to all spammers. Thanks for registering (laughs) now we're talking about the helping the internet go faster google is also helping it they're helping to build another asia pacific submarine cable well good on them and hallelujah the company uh announced wednesday that it's helping to fund a project called indigo which will connect jakarta singapore perth and sydney to one another so this cable look i've got on the for those on uh video did i have a little picture no i might not have oh well bad luck I've got a picture of someone in a plane. Anyway, I don't know what happened to my picture there. But anyway, the cable will run for approximately uh, 9,000 kilometres and provide capacity of roughly 18 terabytes, uh, bits, 18 terabits per second. It's being built to bring users more connectivity, obviously. 
Now, Alcatel Submarine Networks will build the cable. Google expects it to be finished by the middle of 2019. Uh, other investors in the ca- in this cable are sub partners, ISPs uh, of. Uh, hang on, I'll read that one again. So, other investors include cable company sub partners and ISPs such as AARNet, Indosat, Oridu. Singtel and Telstra. Now, only Google and the other investors will be able to use Indigo, though Singtel and Telstra will be able to sell capacity to their customers as part of the telecom business. Now, I think what why Google is getting involved is they just want to uh, maybe try and give themselves an edge with all this cloud computing going on. So I, so I guess they, they can uh, get the data from, you know, data center to data center faster, I guess, and have their customers being able to upload faster and have it, you know, propagated to the world. Sounds like win-win for all of us. It does, doesn't it? So I think, uh, you know, going into Singapore, there's a lot of uh, good things happening out of Singapore. Uh, Yeah, real good things. (laughs) Don't ask me to name any, but there's a couple of good things. Uh, No littering policy, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so that's all good. Now, what else have we got? Look, I've got an iPhone story. I've got another Google story. And a Wi-Fi story. What else have you got, Jace? Well, there's a self-healing material could soon make cracked phone screens a thing of the past. Oh. Scientists have developed a new material that could solve one of the most annoying issues faced by smartphone users. The material is transparent, highly stretchable, conductive, and most importantly, self-healing. It literally repairs itself when cracked or torn. Created by a chemist at the University of California at Riverside and University of Colorado, it will likely have numerous uses in robotics and consumer electronics and could ultimately make your cracked iPhone screen a thing of the past. Creating material with all these properties has been a puzzle for years, one of the leading researchers, Chow Wang, said in a statement. We did that, and now we're just beginning to explore the applications. Perhaps due to their ubiquity, some people have gone so far as to suggest a broken phone screen is the status symbol, a testament of one's high-paced life. But for those of us who aren't keen to prove our social mobility by breaking our stuff, such a material could be a godsend. Speaking to scientists daily, Dr. Wang said the team conducted a number of experiments on the material's ability to repair itself. In one instance, after being torn in half, it automatically stitched itself back together in under 24 hours. Oh, how good does that sound? I've got to, I've got to get... Bad. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? I wonder if you could put that on other things. So, okay. It's going to put all of those um, third-party iPhone case companies out of business. Well, yes, yeah. Who's I... going to buy their OtterBox now and their <laughs> LifeProof case if the phone's just going to fix itself? Anyway? Yeah, well, my, my LifeProof case only lasted about three or four months. The little, the little nodule for the off and on, no, no, yeah, for the sound button broke and obviously therefore no longer waterproof or anything and then it just continued to sp- to fray and then, yeah, I just took it off because it was annoying me. But, yeah. yeah, my girlfriend had a similar problem with her life proof and then she was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, don't get life proof anymore. Mm. They're not worth it for the price. It just doesn't give you that much protection and they don't last as long as you expect. So we got an Otterbox last time and that seemed to do quite well oh, for yeah. about a year or so but um, still got knocks and fell mm. apart in the end so we just ordered another um another rubberized lichen type case that hopefully 
won't fall apart, but it's not as um, liquid proof and things like that as the others are. Yeah, but on the, on the good side with life proof, like I'd have to say, like it, I never followed through with the warranty. Like you know, you, you're supposed to be able to send it back with your receipt, and they'll send you another one. Well, I couldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I just couldn't be bothered. I guess. But uh, I know people. I know two people that have. So you know, they're they're they're, they're good in that respect. So you're not going to lose out, really. Yeah, that's right. Now I just uh, I just googled Doctor Wang. Well, we, you know, you were talking about Dr. Wang and his self-healing screen. Yep. And he, he's also got a side business, I found out. He's Dr. Wang's, ex- uh, <laughs> Dr. Wang's eczema ointment. I, I, think that's, I think that's the Wang doctor. <laughs> it could be. Wang, Wang, Wang. <laughs> right. now, now, if you're a coder and you're, or a hacker or whatever and you like looking for bugs in software and devices or whatever... Why didn't you enter the Google's Android bug bounty? Now, there was heaps of money up for grabs. It was like 300000 or something. But, you know, in the, the six months that this, uh, the bug bounty was open since last September or something, they didn't get one entry. Wow. Not a one. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. Well, that's what they'd like you to believe, I would imagine. But we are talking Android here. Uh, so the so security team said everything we received was either spam or did not remotely resemble a contest entry as described in the rules. Now, the prizes, uh, now, what the, the criteria was is it asked researchers to compete to find any existing vulnerability or bug chain that would allow remote code execution to be carried out on multiple Android devices, knowing only the device's phone number and email address. Now, the the team apparently were really upset. The Google bug bounty busters, they were really upset. They they might have to, you know, they were scratching around for answers. They were scratching that much. They might need Dr. Wang's eczema ointment, (laughs) I'll tell you. After a period of soul-searching, Project Zero team said it was also possible the specific type of vulnerability it asked for was too difficult to find, or maybe it didn't give researchers a long enough period to work with. I think six months is fair. Um, It also thinks researchers may have opted to enter other bug competitions with a lower threshold (laughs) for entry instead. Something a bit easier, like IE or Edge or something. That's right. Yeah, Edge, the old old (laughs) go-tos. You want a quick couple of dollars for a bug bounty? Ah, I'll go to the old IE or Edge or something. Yeah, the old go-to vulnerabilities. anything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Look, I think that's closed. You have to wait till next year if you get if that's uh, just uh, stirred something up in your in your pants that you think you might like to do. Uh, just wait for it for next year and send an entry, and you never know. You might be the only one. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, what else, Chase? Anything else? Well, if you could, would you want to live forever, even if it meant existing in a virtual world? Oh, yeah. That is the desperate goal of Australian man Philip Rhodes, the founder of Body Freezing Cryonics Lab and a brain-preserving company called the Neural Archives Foundation. The foundation consists of scientifically preserved brains stored all over the country, including those of his recently deceased parents, waiting for the day when the contents might be uploaded to a computer. Mm. Of course, the science underpinning such an ambitious idea is dubious to say the least, but Mr. Rhodes believes it's just a matter of time until technology is advanced enough to achieve his dream. At 65, he understands time is of the essence, and so he's turned to a well-known figure of tech innovation for help, Elon Musk. The billionaire founder of Tesla and SpaceX recently announced a new venture called Neural Lace, 
to develop a way to connect the human brain with the computer. Mr. Rhodes believes the tech titan is somebody who can push the controversial field forward. In a bizarre open letter to the former biomedical researcher, spruiked his credentials and volunteered his brain to be uploaded and sent to Mars, allowing him to explore the universe. Wow. Musk has bold plans to take humans to Mars and is planning to launch a mission to the Red Planet in conjunction with NASA in the coming decade. Mr. Rhodes believes it would make more sense to send virtual people. I'm convinced that I need to become a virtual person by mind uploading sooner rather than later, he writes in his letter to Musk. It sounds delusional, and many would agree that it is, but Mr. Rhodes is convinced the science of transferring our brains to computers has not been proven to be impossible. I don't care if your average Facebook user thinks it's all crazy. People in the business are spending serious money on this, he said. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, If, if your brain... Uh, it's not supposed to be like made up electricity, so that you know they keep it all working or whatever. So when you die, wouldn't it, that electricity would just go? And then so you how? Think so how, maybe there's some sort of physical change. Yeah, maybe it's like it's um, your brain is like an EEPROM. It's just yeah. it's hard hard coded and plug into anything in the future. That's really yeah. weird story, isn't it? That's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they or didn't Walt Disney froze himself, didn't he? After he I died, so, yeah, apparently. Frozenic. Yeah, but when I, I was when I was over in Disneyland, I asked someone about that. I said, "Where's Walt?" Yeah. I said, "Where's he uh, frozen? Where's his fridge?" And they yeah. just said, "Oh, that's all just a you know old wives' tale." That they, was the the tribute. Didn't they do a movie called Frozen? Oh, right. He's, he's, you reckon that might have been a bit of a wink-wink to bit that? A hint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Now, Virgin Australia is to begin in-flight Wi-Fi trial in April. So that's uh, exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll trial in-flight Wi-Fi in a single 737-800 aircraft from next month with plans to deploy the service across domestic and international flights if successful. So I think everyone everyone likes to be able to get a bit of Wi-Fi on the plane. The airline said it will use GoGo's 2KU Aero antennas, while the service itself would be supplied by Optus Satellite for domestic and New Zealand services and Intelsat and SES for other international flights. So, so customers on the trial aircraft will be able to use Wi-Fi for free. Uh, for browsing and also streaming entertainment services, including Netflix, Stan, Pandora. So they're going to have some good bandwidth, aren't they, on a plane? Yeah. yeah. If you, if you're gonna... you think there would be a bit of delay there? Yeah, well, there'd be something. Yeah, Netflix, Stan, and Pandora. But, yeah, I think, look, the U, there's a few planes in the US that do this domestically already. Uh, so I think it's a probably, well, it'd be about time. When the technology's there, satellites are in the sky. Uh, why not use it for Wi-Fi in a plane? Yeah, uh, yeah, why not? Good story. Uh, all right. Yeah, you got any more, Jace? Yeah, I've heard of something similar to this before, but it says scientists create wonder sieve capable of making seawater drinkable. Oh. Scientists make the breakthrough by controlling the size of pores in a membrane made from wonder material graphene. It allowed them to filter out salt from water, making it safe to drink. They hope it could help millions of people who don't have access to clean drinking water within five years. Researchers from the University of Manchester announced their findings in the Nature Nanotechnology Journal. Professor Rahul Nair, who led the team, said it's a significant step forward, improving the efficiency of desalination technology. 
He added, current technology applies high pressures to remove salt from water. Now we have a membrane that can separate salt better. We expect it to be much more efficient. With climate change reducing water supplies, countries have been increasingly investing in desalination technologies. The UN has predicted that around 1.2 billion people, or 14% of the world's population, will have trouble accessing clean water by 2025. Yeah, well, I think uh, the desal plants, is there any any of those desal plants in Australia actually pumping fresh water into the drinking? Uh... I know they've installed them. I'm sure there was one installed in uh, south of Sydney. Uh, when we had the last drought, but um, they haven't needed it so much lately because uh, we haven't had a drought in a while, but sure enough, it'll come back again, in which case they'll be able to kick it into gear. Mm. They also, I also remember years ago, I think it was a university student or someone who invented one called the Life Straw oh, that yeah. you drink because it had membranes and things in it and would filter out anything so people could drink from a puddle on the ground that had dirt and things in it and it would actually filter it out so that you would be drinking clean, fresh water. Yeah, right. That's all right. But I think you can get like uh, certain filters that will filter out a lot of stuff. Like when people go out on boats and they put the filter in and I'm pretty sure it can filter out a lot of the lot of the, the salt and the taste of, uh, of whatever, but, uh, yeah. but anything like that. But yeah, there's no shortage of water. Uh, around here at the moment, is there? I don't know. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, that's why, one of the reasons why Will's not here tonight. Yeah, he's uh, went to Lismore, isn't he? He's gone down to help a bit of a clean-up down there. Is that right? Yeah, he's got a uh, family down there that's got, got caught in the flood, so mm. uh, he's down there trying to help them out. Did he Did he mention, uh, and something I'd probably ask you next time I talk to him, is because uh, I know Lismore, you know, that was devastated by a flood back in 75 and, I think it was 70, 74, 75. And as you walk around the street, uh, on all the on all the po- most of the poles, they've got you know, oh, this is the nineteen seventy five water line. I wonder if it yep. if it hit that, you know, if it yeah, was. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. Yeah, I wonder if it was as bad as back then. But yeah, look, the yeah, Lismore, North New South Wales coast, they certainly got hammered, didn't they? And look, we got we got a fair bit. Uh, the, you know, I thought we might have got a bit of bit of water the the lake sort of rose quite rapidly <laughs> i was getting yep. a little get a little bit scared uh got your water wings ready yes yeah because I, I pulled up uh i've got a couple of kayaks down there so i put them up on a like a meter high uh retaining wall and then yep. in 12 hours the water was up to the retaining wall and it's like wow. and like it was a meter off the ground where it was which is probably another half a meter above the normal level of the water so yeah, yep. it's like in twelve hours it risen, it rose by one and a half meters, and I just thought, oh look out! If it keeps going, <laughs> we're in That's trouble. Crazy. I know, yep. but you, you couldn't. I don't know if you saw the pictures. I put some up on my Facebook uh, for those that you can see those. But yeah, you wow. just uh, just look out that there's a fence down the back there, and you just look out. You could not see the fence. It was underwater. It was just a, a real waterfront property. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> for for two days. Yeah, the right. value has gone up on your place then, hasn't For two days. I should have sold straight away. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a windy sale. It wasn't a fire sale, just a, a wind a rain sale. That's right. Um, now, what else have I got here? I think that might have been – is that – I'm just going through there. I think that – is that everything? Uh, yeah, Google and – oh, this is my iPhone story. That's right. 
Uh, iPhone users have been fooled by fake ransomware. Now, we, we all know what ransomware is, don't we? So no bother going there. But yeah, you know, um, you would think that, yeah, iPhones, yeah, you know, every time you get a sus email through your emails, you think, oh, I'll open that on the iPhone because, you know, if it's nasty, well, it's not going to affect the iPhone. But apparently iPhones can get viruses, but this is not what this story is about. A, a pop-up screen accused the accused you if you're accused the iPhone owner of accessing illegal pornography or pirating music and could not be removed. The ransomware was fake, uh, and cleaning the browser cache uh, was apparently how you got rid of it and restored it to full access. It ran on JavaScript, which is a commonly used code uh, employed by many websites. The attackers demanded £100 in the form of an iTunes gift card. Everyone wants gift that's cards. Pretty heavy, that's a pretty heavy gift card if it's £100. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I don't know why people want to lift them. But yeah, it's a 100-pound gift card with the code sent via text message to designated mobile number. Uh, a lot of people believe that the iOS is invulnerable, but JavaScript is cross-platform and it's a matter of how you manage it. Uh, so that might explain, would that be why there was a, there was a couple of iOS updates this week. I noticed uh, earlier this week, the, is what 10.3 came out, and then today I saw there's a 10.3.1. So, uh, yeah, they're all getting ready for iOS 11. Oh, yeah. So, what that's I saw just before that's in uh, June. Is it this year? June sometime, yeah, I think. Like that. So, that's not too far away. It's uh, not too far away at all. All right, I'll tell you what else is not too far away. It, it is the end of the show. <laughs> Unless you've got any more, Jace. You good? That's it for me. All right, good stuff. So, uh, look, hopefully, we can uh, get Will and Eric on back soon. Both of those people have been pretty busy. Uh, uh, with work and whatnot, and helping clean up the the wet and the rain and all this sort of stuff. So hopefully, we'll uh, keep the show going and the quality high in the meantime. That's exactly right. You know, we we can we can soldier on. So all right. So We're the ones who made it a winning podcast. Exactly, right. exactly. If Will doesn't come on soon, he, he's going to have to lose his title of the one of the best yep. podcasters in the world. He's going <laughs> to. It's hanging on it by a thread, Will. Come on. <laughs> it's hanging by a thread. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jace, for coming in and uh, yeah, no holding up the fort. And uh, good stuff. Good to be back. Uh, I've only missed a week, but there, yeah, good to be back on. And uh, thanks for voting for us once again and making the podcast what it is. So, got any, any ideas? Email me, Facebook me, want to talk about a story or something. Join us on the Facebook or email me and we'll have a chat about it. All right, cool. Until next time, it's bye from me and bye from Jace, I'm sure. See you, Jace. Bye. bye.